Welcome out, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for taking the time to come listen. Um, I'm excited about this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. As always, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit that little five-star review. Share with your friends if you like it. And let's get right into it. This is, I think, I think this is number five. We're in our Seven Laws of Spiritual Success journey um, by Deepak Chopra. We're doing a little bit of a book review. Um, fantastic book. There's a couple things in there that I disagree with, but I think overall it's a it's a fantastic uh, piece of work. And so today is the law of intention and desire. And this was an interesting one. I, again, I don't really remember much of the book, I'm being totally honest with you. I took a few notes. I believe that they were all from this chapter. Um, but the law of intention and desire is a pretty interesting topic. Um, desire is something that's kind of debated a lot. It's something that's misunderstood. Intention is misunderstood a lot. But the first quote from this chapter that we're going to go through um, is, attention energizes and intention transforms. So the first thing, let's talk about attention first. With attention, that is something that we are not good at managing. We're not, we're not good at staying focused on things. We're not good at protecting our attention span. We're not good at training our attention span. I think that social media and um, especially the scrolling lifestyle that we kind of get sucked into, these are things that are absolutely devastating for our, for our attention span. Um, when we're constantly looking, like one, just that simple act of like constant entertainment, also looking at other people living their lives, other people doing their own particular thing, they're, they're working in their um, their little niche or whatever, it can be difficult to stay focused on tasks because it's like, well, I start doing this thing and I feel good about it and then I see somebody else that's like winning doing something else. Maybe I should be doing that something else instead. Am I on the wrong track? Um, all these people online are telling me that, well, this is the wrong career path. This is the wrong way to make money, whatever it is. But attention is very important. Attention is probably the most valuable resource um, in the market today. Um because if you think about it, if you can control attention for long periods of time, you can kind of you can do a lot with that, right? If you're a media company and you want to influence the course of human behavior, well, you got to keep them atten or attentive long enough to be able to implant subliminal programming in their brains. If you are an advertiser, you need to be able to do the same thing. You need to be able to hold people's attention long enough for them to see you, to recognize you, to, to have a sense of familiarity with you, and also for the subliminal programming as well. Um, I'm working on a little project that's going to go really um, in depth into the idea of attention, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to bring that guys to, or that to you guys. Um, but yeah, just suffice it to say that I think, I think it's kind of obvious that attention is something that's very important. If we can control our attention, we can control really all of our lives. If we're constantly being distracted by shiny objects and, um, you know, the infinite number of, of things that we could be doing, then we're, we're kind of doomed to failure, right? If you're in a relationship and you can't keep your attention on that person and your attention is scattered across all the other people that you could be with, and you're constantly, you feel that like urge, that pressure, like, well, what if there's something better out there? Maybe I should, you know, keep my options open. And it's very destructive. You can't have an intimate relationship if you're doing that, because if you have that mindset, then your partner's not going to trust you because they're going to pick up on that unconsciously. 
they're going to pick up on that and they're not going to feel comfortable being intimate with you. So you're not going to get the love that you so desperately want from that person, which is going to make it that much worse. It's, a, it's like a, um, it's a vicious cycle. Um, in terms of achieving a goal, if you want to get really good at something, but you can't keep your attention on the task at hand, then you're not going to, you're not going to master it. It's going to take you forever to make any progress with it. You have to be able to focus 100% on that thing, and not indefinitely, but you have to be able to go through stretches of time where all of your attention is fixated on one thing. And that applies in the sense of gaining a skill. So, for example, if you want to learn how to play the piano, you have to focus on playing the piano. On the day-to-day, -day, you have to put your energy and attention on the piano. However, over the long term as well, you have to keep in mind that you're a certain amount of your attention day-to-day is like it works on the macro level as well as so I'm trying to say like you have to understand that your attention over the next five years you have to have a certain amount of that um, allocated towards learning that instrument otherwise you're, you're not going to get good at it you can focus really intensely for an hour or two but if you don't do that consistently if you can't keep your your brain coming back to that point uh, as you go throughout your day and as you go throughout your week and so on and so forth then you're not going to put in the consistent effort that it takes to master that so attention energizes. Attention is what gives us energy. It's what, it's what inspires us. It's, it's what brings life into whatever we're doing. If you've ever tried to have a conversation with somebody and they're scrolling on Facebook or TikTok or whatever, like you, you know that there's no, there's no vibe to that conversation. It's not fun to talk to that person, right? If you're on a date with somebody and they're on their phone the whole time, are you going to go see them again? Probably not if you have any self-respect, right? Like there's nothing there. You, you want to bring that energy into it. You want to be able to put as much of your focus on what you're doing as you're doing it. So if you're trying to get good at, I don't know, photography, for example, and you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm taking pictures and I'm kind of walking around and this is cool, whatever. But you're also thinking about a hundred other things. You're not, your heart's not totally in it. You're not totally uh, in the moment. You're not 100% focused. Well, then you're not bringing the same amount of energy that you could to the table. Um, a good example of that is, you know, if you just have all of these distractions around you and just constantly pulling your attention in a, in a bunch of different directions, you, you're not bringing all of your energy to the table either. So intention is the next step, excuse me, the next step to that. The intention is what actually creates the transformation because it's fine to pay attention to something, but if you don't have a purpose for what you're doing with that attention, then you're wasting your energy. So you can have a lot of energy on, say, a video game, on scrolling through TikTok, on something like that. You can bring a lot of attention to that. It can take up all of your attention, but if you don't have a purpose to it, if it's not intentional, if you are not striving to do something with it, you drain yourself of energy. And if you've ever spent a lot of time on social media, um, myself included, you, you know that when you, when you put a lot of energy and attention into something that isn't productive, you still feel drained, right? You're like, oh, I've had a long day at work. I can't, I can't go write my book. I can't go play my instrument. I can't go work on whatever my passion project is. I'm too tired. Let me go watch Netflix, right? And you want to like, you want to kind of just relax a little bit, but it still takes the same amount of attention. It still eats up all of your, your mental resources and you still feel even more drained. Like you watch Netflix for three hours, you still feel kind of tired afterwards, right? Because you're still draining energy. That's not something that you can get away from. So it's, it's important to have a clear purpose for what you're doing. Now, sometimes what you're doing doesn't need to have like a well-defined goal. If you're skiing, for example, that's something that if you're not good at it, you should probably put all of your focus into. You should put all of your attention into it. And the goal of skiing is just to ski, right? Like there's no, there's not necessarily any greater purpose to that. Now, if you're 
trying to perform at a high level, that would be a little bit different. But if you're just doing it for the joy of doing it, then the intention behind that is just to, to do it without getting hurt, right? To be able to do some fun stuff. And it's not that big of a deal. But I would say that when it comes to setting goals, when it comes to working on things, the more that you can train your attention span to stay on task for a long time with a clear purpose in mind, the faster you are going to achieve that thing. And it sounds kind of obvious, but we, we don't do it. Like if you really take account of your life and you look at like, what is it that you're working on? What is it that you're trying to get good at? If you are not putting all of your effort into it, if you got your phone going off, you're talking to other people, you're kind of daydreaming while you're doing it, you're, you're, you're also doing other things, you're not being as productive as you could be. And that's up to you guys. Like if you, if you want to do it like that, I mean, it's fine, but you're not going to perform at your, at your peak. All right. Next up the fifth spiritual law. Okay, cool. What was the fifth? The fifth, fifth spiritual law of success is the law of intention and desire. This law is based on the fact that energy and information exist everywhere in nature. I think, excuse me. I think that there was a little bit of context to that that I missed. But this this brings up a good point. You, how do I say this? How do I say this without sounding super weird and like metaphysical and new agey? There is, there is energy in anything that you do. Okay. I mean, how can I illustrate this? You guys can see I didn't prepare, but a good way to think of this is let's say that you have to perform a boring task. Okay, you have to learn how to do your job, whatever it is. You got a new job, it's kind of mundane, it's kind of tedious, whatever. You start doing that. If you're only if your attention is on the fact that this job is boring and that this task is dull, you're not gonna have a lot of energy for it. If you instead shift your attention to the to the idea that there's a higher purpose to it, your intention, your your guiding intention behind that purpose is something like I need to provide for my family. I'm saving up. I'm paying off debt so that I can live X, Y, Z type of life. You know, you have something meaningful behind it. I'm not doing this because I'm not, I'm not letting myself get distracted by the fact that I don't really want to do this because I'm, I'm subjugating my will to a, to a higher purpose, just to something that is going to be ultimately much more meaningful. And that, that gives you energy right? If you, as soon as you make that shift in your mindset, you get energy out of it. Um, I talk a lot about perspective and a lot about changing your, 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 the frames that you use with which to perceive uh, your, your, your life. And if you look at something as this really sucks, I don't want to be doing it. This is boring. This, this is stupid, whatever. Then it, it drains your energy. You don't feel like you have energy, but if you learn to look for the things that encourage you about that, hey, this is a stepping stone in my career that's actually really important, right? It doesn't make sense now, and it's not where I'm going to stay. However, when I get good at this, I'm building my character, I'm building my reputation, I'm building a certain skill set, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in a position where I can get a better job, you know, something like that. Um, if you're in the gym and you're only thinking about how you don't want to be there, you don't have a lot of energy. If you're solely focused on building your dream body and you have that image just in your brain, like burned into your mind, and that's all you're thinking about and every single rep that you make is bringing you closer to that goal, you have a ton of energy. 
I don't care what you say. You have a ton of energy. The energy is always there. You have to learn to extract it from your environment. Maybe you're not feeling it that day, but you look around and you see other people who are also pushing themselves and also striving, and you get a sense of competition. Like, ooh, like, I can't let these people show me up, right? And boom, you have more energy. You look around and you see some cute people. You're like, mm, that's why I'm actually here. I'm going to look good because I'm lonely. And he starts thinking, okay, boom, there's a lot of energy right there. You find the things that bring energy into your life. You give that more attention. And now you've got to be careful with it because you can put intention on bad things. You can look at, say, um, I really want to show up so-and-so. I'm, I'm in the gym because I want to make my ex jealous. Or I'm, I'm working this job because I, like, I only took this position because I have a little rivalry with somebody else at the, at the, at the office. And I want to show them up. It's like, well, you can be motivated by revenge. You can be motivated by those negative things. And I mean, from a, a sense of being strictly productive, it may work. But it's not a sustainable thing long term because you, you start to build up a lot of negative stuff in your own mind. You start to build up a lot of negative um, limiting beliefs. You're, it, it starts to corrupt your character. When, when, when the focus of your attention in general is on something negative and something harmful, something toxic, it has a pretty profound impact on you, right? It starts to change you in a really subtle ways. So it's important to pick things that are meaningful and things that are good, but understand that no matter how bleak and dismal life may seem, no matter how frustrated you may be with your current situation, there's something in there that you can find that is going to bring energy to your life, that's going to make you excited to actually do that thing. And you may not be totally changed and transformed immediately. Like if it's a boring job, maybe it's a really boring job and you've got to go to work and you've got to do this every day and that motivation wears off. It's not about the motivation. It's about training yourself to remember constantly, hey, on the back of my mind, there's always this idea of whatever, of this future version of myself, of that really fit version version of me the really rich and successful version of me, the version of me that is with my dream partner and we're super happy, we're very intimate, right? Like there's something that you can find and it, it may in some sense be competition. It may be, hey, this is fun, this is engaging, not because this is what I wanna do with my life, but I'm gonna to choose to make the most of it now. That shift in perspective, that shift in how you see things, that makes all the difference in the world because at the end of the day, 10 people can go through the same thing and interpret it 10 different ways. All right. Energy and information exist everywhere in nature. So I kind of skipped over the information part. I would say, I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily what he meant, but I would twist it <laughs> a little bit to suit my preconceived notions. Um, but I do think it's meaningful. I would say that as far as information goes, information existing everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I talk about quite a bit. So if you learn to find something in everything that is going to teach you, you will become unstoppable. I'll give you an example. You're at a job, um, or actually my, my, my first sales job, selling cars. I didn't like it. There were moments of pleasure. There were moments of fun. There were moments that felt good. But overall, I wasn't really feeling the car sales, really wasn't feeling that company, really wasn't feeling the environment, definitely wasn't on board with the customers, okay? However, I, under, I understood this principle. And so for a, for a minute there, I went through this phase where and I went through this phase a few times. It was a cycle, but I would go through this phase where I would get really bitter because people would come in a straight commission. People would come in and they would waste my time. And I would think, I, I know you're wasting my time. I know like it, it, I feel like that, that was something that I could have been talking to somebody else, could have been making money. And I wasn't. And it felt like 
it felt like a waste. It felt like I felt like a failure. It's like this is super frustrating for me. And then I remember this principle that there's, I didn't phrase it that way at the time, but there were, that there's information everywhere. There's always something that you can learn and that you can extract in everything. And so I started thinking, okay, worst case scenario, I know somebody is wasting my time. I know that somebody's not going to buy a car. They can't buy a car. I, I, there's any number of reasons why I, I get the sense where somebody's coming in, I'm like, got to do this, got to work for free because I can't just kick them out because it's part of a corporation, right? Like I have to treat them like any other customer, even though I know that they're not going to pay my bills. But do I want to look at it that way and be super negative or do I want to try to get something out of this? Maybe I can practice my people skills. Maybe I can practice communicating better. Maybe, hey, I know this person isn't going to buy anything from me anyway. So maybe those closing lines or those little, those little, um, like the scripts that I, I'm supposed to use for sales that I'm super nervous to say to people because it's like, can I really say that to somebody? Let's do it to this person, right? Let's practice on this person who is not buying anyway so I can screw it up and it's fine. It's a dry run, right? Like what I get more confident with it. I get better at saying it. it be, I become more fluent in these, these little s- subtle things that I'm doing as a salesman. And so I get to practice. So it's like, okay, cool. Now that, that meaningless inf- interaction that I was having is now something that's very valuable to me. Now it's real life practice. And the worst case scenario is that I kind of embarrass myself a little bit, but I don't lose out on a sale because I wasn't going to get it anyway. Maybe I get better at managing conflict, right? Because there's confrontational people. And you can look at that as this isn't fair. Actually, and I, would, I would point this out to people that are in any kind of like customer service or whatever, if you work at like a grocery store, if you work at a restaurant, if you work as like a barista or something, like you already know that dealing with the public kind of sucks because people are rude for absolutely no reason. And so it's like, do you want to get fixed? And I'm like, I hate this job. I hate my life. I hate people, blah, blah, blah. Everyone sucks. Do you want to go that route? Because the reality is that, yeah, you are dealing with something. But the fact is that you're there. You can't get out of it. You're not going to change people, but maybe, just maybe, you can find a way to gain something from that. You can put your attention on being productive. You can put your attention on being resourceful and have the intention that you're going to get a little bit better every single time that happens. Maybe you practice your patience. Maybe you practice conflict de-escalation. Maybe you practice like being nice to people even when they don't deserve it, right? And you get really good at that. And before long, it's like, People just don't even want to be mean to you anymore. And and, and those instances happen less and less often. There's any number of things that you can do. And I'll let you play around with it. I'll let you guys, you know, run wild with that. Um, But yeah, there's information everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere. You can get something out of everything. Um, I think the example I give a lot is when I was really struggling with my social skills. And granted, I'm, I'm still a little bit socially awkward. And I still struggle a little bit. But... It's night and day difference from where I used to be. I'm actually pretty confident in myself now. Am I still awkward? Yes, but I don't think that I'm more awkward than most people. And some would disagree, and that's fine. Um, but the reality is that I'm pretty comfortable talking to anybody at this point. So that, that, that means a lot. And one of the ways that I did that is that I understood that every time I have a conversation with somebody, I'm practicing this sounds bad, but I'm practicing being a human. Like I'm practicing being a person, you know, like I'm getting better at those communication skills. Um, Maybe for one day I focus on like, how can I just listen? How can I just hear everything that they say? And 
how the next day I take that, I turn it into how do I ask better questions? How do I keep the conversation going? How do I shift? How do I work on shifting the intention off of me and onto them? Because that makes you very charismatic. People love it when you are good at subtly shifting the conversation off of you onto them. And it's like they ask you about, oh, where'd you go on a vacation? And you, or they, they tell you about your vacation, for example. And this is kind of besides the point, but it's also good at information. Um, maybe they say, hey, I went down, um, I was in Florida, I was down in, you know, wherever in Florida for vacation. A lot of people would go, oh, I was in Florida one time too. I remember we did this, that, and the other. Whereas somebody who's very charismatic and very good at speaking to people might say, might find ways to turn that around and like, really, tell me about that. Oh, did you do X, Y, Z? Um, or you did that instead. That's really cool. What, what, what was that like? You know, and you see what I did there. It's like, it's a very subtle, you don't take the information to say, I, I did this, I did that. You find ways to dive deeper into what they did and how they felt, what was their experience that will radically transform the way that you communicate with people. And you might think, oh my goodness, this person's so boring to talk to, or I don't like this person, but guess what? Information is everywhere. If you put your attention on achieving something and on bettering yourself, you can get a lot out of that because you can practice your conversational skills with somebody that, quite frankly, if you mess it up, you don't care. <laughs> All right. Next quote. Your body is not separate from the body of the universe because at a quantum mechanical level, there are no well-defined edges. So... It's kind of a weird thing to think about. He's, he's correct. On a subatomic level, if you get down to it, like where do you end and where does anything else begin? I've had this thought while, what, what shall we say, um, intoxicated on various species of fungi. I was thinking, um, where does my skin stop? and the air start. And like, I was really high, obviously, but it was a super meditative experience for me because I started to, to realize, well, they're actually on a subatomic level, it just kind of blends together. And that was a very intense meditative experience for me. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the substances I had ingested. Um, but it was a very, it was something that stuck with me, right? Like I kind of go around thinking like, we're all like on a physical level, we really are all connected. We really are all, um, one in a, in a sense and like yes there are clear defined edges on, in in the macro sense but if you zoom out even further if you look at like our world from the from the perspective of the entire solar system the entire galaxy or the entire universe like we actually blur back into each other at some point because we're all so small right and it's like you're going down super 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 small by our perspective and everything's you know really big and the the atoms and everything are just kind of floating around now, how does this apply to anything to do with psychology? <laughs> um, I think that once you start to once you start to integrate that sense that you are connected to everything and that there is a constant exchange of energy between you and everything and everyone you interact with, it's a subtle shift and it's not something that you can clearly articulate most of the time. But you start to behave a little bit differently, right? You start to relax a little bit. You start to get more in tune with your surroundings. You start to become a little bit, you start to, I feel like you get into a flow state a little bit more because you stop seeing things as separate objects. You stop thinking about there's this one task that I have to do, right? Like I'm playing guitar and it's like I'm thinking about each individual note. And at some point, it's like, well, what is the separation between individual notes? Like they are individual, but at some point, you put them all together, they become a song. 
So it's like you stop looking at the individual things and you start to look at life as a as an entire you know musical performance. It starts to become a whole song. It starts to become an entire symphony. Everything works together with everything else in a sense. And when it, when your mindset shifts to that, I think it brings a lot of peace. But it also it, it helps you to see the rhythm and the, the patterns that are taking place in your life. You stop looking at that person that cheated on you as that was a bad person, that was a crazy thing. And you start to look at the whole pattern. You start to see that, hey, from the very beginning, before I met that person, I was doing certain things that displayed certain characteristics that attracted that person. And maybe I didn't perceive them at the time. Maybe I still don't quite know what they are, but there is a reason that that happened, okay? It doesn't excuse their behavior, but there's it's part of a larger pattern. Those things did not happen in isolation, okay? You start to look at why was I successful this time and why was I not successful this other time? And it's like, well, what was the one thing that made a difference? Maybe there was one like crucial thing that added a lot of weight to the direction that you went in, but at the same time, there was a, there was a huge combination of things, right? It wasn't just what you did that day. It's what you do every single day. You look at, um, I heard it's like, like, like really professional high-level performers, whether they're musicians, athletes, businessmen, whatever. They don't just look at it as like, okay, what am I going to do at work today? How am I going to practice this one thing? They start to bring everything in their lives into their, their art, into their practice, I think that's a really um, popular philosophy in like the Eastern traditions where, because I, I grew up in martial arts and I heard about that kind of stuff all the time. At some point, you're, you, bring, you bring like your, your martial art into everything that you do. You're always practicing, right? Every time you take a step, you're, you become aware of the way that your body's moving. You, you, you become really in tune with the way that your balance is shifting, where your center of gravity is, how you're interacting with the world. And so you're not out there practicing, you know, throwing punches or whatever. But even as you're walking to the bathroom, even as you're standing in the shower, you're, you're playing with your balance. You're super aware of everything. It's not these individual isolated things anymore. You're bringing that practice, like everything becomes part of your practice, okay? And if you want to perform at a really high level and exist in flow states for most of your, your practice time, you need to learn how to integrate what you're trying to achieve with everything that you do. So if you want to be a great writer, it's not about sitting down for 20 minutes a day and writing. That's a fantastic start. That's where you have to start, okay? But over the long term, once you start to get past the, the form, once you start to get past the basic level, you start, to, you start to understand that everything that you do is a part of your writing process because everything gives you inspiration. Every movie that you see, every song that evokes an emotion, that can be turned into part of your story. That can be, like every word that you learn, that's something that you can bring into your book. Every experience that you have, that influences it on an unconscious level. And as you become more and more aware of that, you become more in tune with that, you start to bring the art of writing into your entire life. And now you are moving as a cohesive unit. Everything is geared towards that goal. Your attention and your intention are aligned towards one thing, all the time, and that's when you achieve true mastery. Okay, next up. You can consciously change the energy and informational content or your own quantum mechanical body and therefore influence the energy and informational context of your extended body, your environment, your world, and cause things to manifest in it. Okay. That one was a little bit wordy. I'm not going to lie. I got lost in the middle and I came back in the end. So we're going to talk about the things that I picked up on and we're going to skip everything else. Um, okay, but 
like we were talking about a second ago, you can change your energy at any point, okay? You can decide by shifting your perspective that what has become an aggravating moment, now this is a chance to practice my philosophy, okay? You want to be a stoic. You want to be somebody who is, you know, unshakable under stress. Well, when your girlfriend makes you mad or when your, your, your dad texts you something that you don't like, when that rude customer comes in, well, now you have a chance to practice. You have a chance to practice facing adversity, right? And you get a chance to practice on a small level because those aren't really big things. So that when the big things come around, you have established a pattern of doing, of, re of responding a certain way. Okay. So because you can consciously change that energy, your internal state, all right? And he, he goes on to talk about the body. He's talking about kind of a metaphysical thing. Um, I'm going to kind of, I, I agree with him, but I'm going to kind of steer away with, from that a little bit you can start to influence the world around you. Now, he's coming at it from, again, a very spiritual perspective of kind of like this. I don't want to use the word magical because it kind of has the wrong um, connotations. But you, you do start to influence things around you. There's, it's like the law of attraction. There's, there's things that when you put yourself in the right state, things around you that you don't seem to be connected to directly you start to influence them and it's very strange it's very mysterious and it's a real thing um, and if you don't believe that that's fine you'll experience it if you if you still do the work but when you start to change your inner world your outer world starts to reflect that and i hate to keep going back to the same um, example again and again yesterday i was doing a, a episode for for my other show and i kept using the same example of a uh, um, i think driving a car or buying a car or something like that but today we're gonna we're gonna fixate on on something else. We're going to fix it on relationships. So let's say that you're, you're with somebody and this could be romantic. It could be your friend or whatever. And you're like, I want to be treated a certain way. Okay. Well, to some extent, the world is going to mirror what's going on inside of you. Now, look, if you're born into a really poor country, you've got everything working against you, right? It's not because you were, had a poor mindset before you're born. That's not the case. That's not what I'm saying. However, as you grow, if your environment influences you, and your environment will influence you. A lot of times the environment will influence you so much that your thinking starts to mirror the outside world, right? But what's crazy is that once you start to change the inner, the inner world, once you start to change your perspective, you start to change your thought patterns, the way that you interact with things, the outside stuff changes too. And it seems abstract. It seems metaphysical. It's really not. It's actually pretty simple. Because, for example, I'll give you this good example. Um, <clears throat> if you are somebody who is difficult to deal with, right, you're kind of rude and you're kind of confrontational and you just kind of have an attitude with everybody. You walk around, you get a look on your face, right? People in general are not going to be pleasant to deal with for you because you're going. So let's say that somebody was a nice person and you, they, they, they approached you, they said hi to you or they interacted with you in some way and you treat them a little like abrasively, like you're a little bit rude. You got a tone, you're a little snippy with them. Right. And that person feels offended and they feel defensive because maybe they're like a kind of like an open person. They're kind of happy, go lucky, but now they're, they're worried. They're like, Oh, this person's like kind of aggressive with me. You may not consider yourself to be aggressive, but that person is perceiving you as such. Okay. And it can be really subtle things because people pick up on subtle things. We, we judge, judge each other mostly on an unconscious level. We don't sit there and rationalize about, 
what did, what is everything this person did? How are they presenting themselves? What was their tone? What was the inflection? What was their facial expression? All that stuff. We don't do that, but our unconscious does. So we pick up on a lot of things and we observe a lot of things. So maybe this person reacts and feels as if they're being attacked and they in turn get defensive and you see that defensiveness and that's all you see. And you're like, oh, this person's being rude to me. And in reality, they're reacting to the way that you spoke to them. And so now this person is in conflict with you because you're, you're, you react back to that. Like, oh, this person wants to get, wants to get you know, tough with me. I want to get real tough with them. And it, go, and it kind of feeds off of, off of itself, right? It goes back and forth. You do this with everybody. Have you ever noticed that people that are really angry all the time seem to always find something to complain about? Everyone was always rude to them. Everyone is always difficult, right? Difficult people complain about people being difficult the most, right? Isn't that a weird thing that that happens? Um, it, it's strange, isn't it? People that pursue pleasure in dating, for example, always seem to be the ones complaining about the terrible things that people do to them. It's like every woman they talk to is psychotic. It's like every man that they talk to is just a disgusting pig. It's like, hmm, I wonder if perhaps you're sending out some signals there because I don't believe that all people are as bad as you say they are. Maybe 80% of them, but not everybody. There's a lot of good people. Honestly, most people are pretty good. They may not be very smart. That would be what I would add. Sometimes people are dumb and ignorance can be perceived as malice, for sure. But I think that most people are pretty good. Um, but they also react to environmental uh, influences. So if they are, you know, it, if you put out a signal of aggression, they are likely to respond in kind. If you put out a signal of, what I use as an example, um, like if you go back to dating, if you're, if you're putting out very, if you're sexualizing yourself, if you're portraying the image of somebody who is um, a player, for example, right? You are going, like the people that don't resonate with that are not going to give you much attention, right? So if your whole thing is that like, I got a BMW, <laughs> <laughs> and I have money because of that. And I also have like some nice shoes on and everybody should, you know, like men should bow down to me. And also like girls should just be fawning over me. Well, any woman that's like worth being with and is going to be a good person to you is not going to be like, oh, I don't want to deal with that guy. Right. Like she's, she's just not going to be about it. Anybody that is attracted to that is going to be responding to their own like stuff like that. They're not going to be somebody that's super healthy. They're not going to be somebody that respects themselves. Right. So you're going to attract people that are typically unpleasant to deal with because you're unpleasant to deal with because pleasant people aren't going to want to deal with you. you. See what I'm saying? Right. It goes for women too. There I, there I use that as an example, because I don't know, I've made a lot of, a lot of people angry on the internet in the last few days. Um, and that's fine. Uh, there's no point in doing it for fun, but um, I don't mind doing it if it's, if it helps people. But I mean, for example, if you dress a certain way and you complain that, Hey, you know, men only like look at me, you know, in a, in a sexual fashion. They don't, they don't take like serious interest in me. It's like, well, I mean, you're showing up to a job interview in shorts and a flip-flops. Like, is that the impression that you want to create? No, but blah, blah, blah. Okay. But like you are responsible for the, for the perceptions that you create. You can do whatever you want, but you still have to deal with the consequences. I can go and be snippy with everybody because I'm in a bad mood. I have to deal with the consequences of that. I have to deal with the fact that people who used to like me are going to be hurt. You're like, dude, what are you doing? And they're going to be offended by that. 
and they're gonna, it's going to hurt their feelings, and that's going to influence. Well, one, it's not good to do that to people, but two, it's going to change how they treat me. Or I go out and I meet random people, and I'm rude to them because I'm in a bad mood that day. Like, I can do that. I want to deal with the consequences. I can dress a certain way and say, no, you guys shouldn't judge me for this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up at this job interview in you know, a T-shirt. It's like, well, you can do that, but you're probably not going to get hired. Maybe you're super charming and you can get away with it, but probably not. Not, not, not for like, you know, the, the hypothetical example that we're talking about anyway. So yeah, understand, understand that you get to change your environment and you start that by changing what's inside of you. Okay. Because ultimately that's the only thing that you can influence. You can't go control people. You can't make people do anything, but you can influence them by treating them differently. Right. If people don't treat you with respect, there's things that you can do to get them to treat you with more respect. Um, you start by respecting yourself. For example, you can start by setting good boundaries. You can start by learning to communicate who you are, what your values are, what your character is um, in subtle ways that create a different perception in that person. So I was thinking again yesterday about how I used to be so bad about complaining. I used to be so bad about complaining. And I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't see it. And I didn't understand why people were kind of like not wanting to be around me that much. I didn't understand why, you know, I kept, I got passed over for a promotion or why I wasn't taken seriously as a leader because I wanted to be a leader. And then somebody finally, and I didn't like him very much even before this. And he's like, listen, I didn't give you a good recommendation for this promotion. Do you want me to tell you why? Like, I, I, I don't have to say this. And he, he really didn't. He, he could have just, you know, been like, oh, yeah, well, no, that was that was higher ups. They, they said they, they vetoed you or whatever. But he was and I actually do owe him a lot for this. I, I should be grateful to him. Um, but he told me, he's like, do you want me to tell you why I, I don't see you that way? And I was like, I was like 19. I was like 20, something like that. I was pretty young. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he told me it's because you complain way too much. It's, it's negative, it's toxic, it affects the people around you, it brings you down, it brings everybody else down, and it makes people not take you seriously. And I was like, okay, whatever. Rolled my eyes, stormed off. <laughs> I kept a pretty good composure, but it actually did offend me a lot. But I started thinking about it, and I started to notice how I actually did complain a lot. And once I started to notice how I complained a lot, I started to notice how people responded to it. And I started thinking, huh, Maybe I should change that. And I started working on it. And by the end of that year, I had completely changed my personality. I didn't complain at all. Now, I've, I've since backslid a little bit, and I do, I do complain sometimes, if I'm being honest. But it's not a dominant personality trait anymore. And it, it really used to be. And then I think it was next year that I, I did get promoted. And I actually ended up in a position of power. And it was, it was a life-changing experience. And that was one of the things that led to that. It's because somebody was just honest with me. And it led me to understand that, wow, the way what's going on in my head, because that started inside of me, right? It started in the way that I was perceiving my life. I looked at things through a very negative lens and it caused me to act in a very negative fashion. I thought negative thoughts. I did negative things. I said negative things. Um, I engaged with whiners and it had an effect, had a tangible effect. But once I changed that, the way other people interacted with me changed. I had much better friends. People wanted to be around me. And guess what? My life got a lot easier. I was in the same situation. It was still difficult to do that. I was in the Marine Corps. It was hard. But it got easier when I wasn't in conflict with everybody, 
when I had people that wanted to be around me, wanted to help me, wanted to support me. Um, I had a similar epiphany when I was a little bit older. This is a couple of years ago. And I, I've always been the kind of person that like doesn't care for external things. Like if you're dressed a certain way, it doesn't really have an effect on me. And I don't like the idea of having to dress a certain way to create perception. So when I talk about like, guys, you got to dress a certain way to impress a woman, or at least to not turn her off. Ladies, if you are looking for commitment, you have to dress a certain way so that men take you more seriously. When I say this, I'm saying this from the sense that, look, I was 100% like, no, I can dress however I want. That's stupid. I get it. Okay. And if you're not ready to hear it, you're not ready to hear it. But I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to plant the seed. Okay. Don't get offended. I don't care, but I, I do a little bit because I like you guys. You're actually awesome. I love my audience. I love the people that that listen to me. Um, you guys hit me up all the time, and you have amazing things to say. Sometimes you're you're a little bit miffed about certain things, but even those conversations usually end up being pretty pretty interesting, and we end up like on good terms again. Because yeah, no, I, I do like you guys a lot, and I know that I'm I'm brutally honest, and sometimes I say things that you don't like. But I do it because I care about you, because I have seen how being brutally honest with myself has led to radical transformation. The only way that you can make real lasting change is by being real with yourself and by shining a light on the things that you want to keep in darkness, the things that you are embarrassed by, bringing that stuff into the light of day. Just noticing it is usually enough to start bringing attention to it. And if you have the intention that you want to be better, and I truly firmly believe that all of you do otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me you definitely wouldn't still be listening this far into the episode if you didn't have the intention to get better so we just have to bring your attention to the right things and the rest will take care of itself it really will but back to my story i worked in i was working at clubs at the time i was working in the, in the nightlife in the um, entertainment industry and that monster that it is but I was really against dressing nice. And so I would dress, I would do the bare minimum of what I had to. And at that particular time of my life, I wasn't in the best shape and I wasn't well-groomed because I was kind of depressed. And I was also in a relationship for a while and then I got out of it. And then like for one, I, I, it, in the relationship, I was I didn't care who's looking at me because I wasn't looking for attention. And then when I got out, I was kind of depressed. I was like, oh, you know. So I wasn't really taking care of myself and presenting myself as well as I could have been. And I remember one day, for whatever reason, it got in my head, you know, like, what? I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not this guy. I'm better than this. I'm going to up my game. I'm going to be somebody that is respected. I'm going to be somebody that's desired. I'm going to be somebody that I can be proud of. And I'm going to start. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to start working out again. And I did. I'm going to start dressing nice. I'm going to start taking care of myself. I literally got a new outfit, got a haircut, and like trimmed my beard. Or well, I think I shaved, actually. And all, really all I did, like... When I say I got a new outfit, I don't mean that I went to Armani and like got dressed up. I mean, like I just got a shirt that fit and I put like a little vest on over top of it and I got some new shoes and I like cleaned up the rough edges. That was it. When I tell you that women I had known and worked with consistently for like two years at that point came up and introduced themselves to me. I got kind of mad, if I'm being honest with you. I was so offended. I was like, really? I was mad. I was really mad about it. I was like, I was like very hurt by that. But it was a good lesson. And at some point, I was a little bit immature at the time. So since then, I have realized that, you know, the correct response to that is not to feel like, oh, people are just superficial and they suck. No, 
what you do actually matters. The things that the way that you treat yourself leaves an impression on others. And again, we judge each other unconsciously. It's unlikely that somebody is looking at you saying, you know what, I, I, there's a couple hairs out of place or I don't know about that shirt. It's a little bit too baggy. It's just, it's just a feeling. It's just, just an impression that they get of you. They respond to it and they probably don't put much thought into it. And guess what? You do the exact same thing to everybody else. Okay. Um, and like the people that are really big on virtue signaling saying, well, I don't dress that way um, because I'm, <laughs> I'm better than everybody else. Right. Like I don't, I don't buy into that. They still judge people that dress nicer than them. They still like, oh, I bet that guy's a douchebag or I bet she's super um, materialistic. She's superficial, whatever. Like we still judge each other. So we're not any better than those people. And when I, once I got over my initial, like being offended, um, and I started to realize, actually, no, it's not their fault. It's that I was presenting myself as a slob, and I cleaned that up, and now they respect me a little bit more. Now I, I have a little bit more notice. That, that left a lasting impression on me. That, that was a powerful thing. I learned the same thing again when I like started working out to look good instead of just being healthy, because I've always been super healthy. I've always been in pretty like decent shape as far as being able to perform, but I never focused on aesthetics until about a little over a year ago. And even six months into that, like really taking charge of like, how do I look? The, the difference in the way that people treat me and react to me is undeniable. The difference in the way that people treat me when I walk, you know, when I have a suit and tie on and I walk into the grocery store, people like, like, oh, hey, you want to go ahead uh, in front of me? And, you know, like I'm trying to walk through aisles. People like stop and like move out of my way. So like smiling at me, super respectful. When I roll in and flip flops and my hair is all messed up, you know, whatever, my shirt's kind of dirty because it's the weekend and whatever. You know, when I when I do that, people don't respond the same way. People get kind of shifty. They kind of look away. You know, I'm a really big guy. They're kind of they're probably intimidated, and it's awkward to look at people anyway. But when you're dressed up and you're presenting yourself well, people respond differently. Okay, and so that that is all to say. There's a little bit of meandering. This is all to say that you do in fact influence your environment by influencing the way um, that you think about yourself, that you interact with the world unconsciously. Um, internally and, and all that. So, and that does make things manifest and it's not magic. It's not like, well, if I think positive thoughts, positive things will happen. Well, if you think positive thoughts, you start to change your behavior. You start to change how you interact with people. And yes, people respond to that differently. You start to become, you put yourself in a more resourceful state of mind. So you notice opportunity, you have more energy to take advantage of that opportunity and you start to do things differently. And that does physically create a different reality for yourself. And you can do this very quickly, by the way, if you're down in the dumps and you're down in a deep, dark, bleak hole and it's bad, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I can pull myself out of this. I promise you can turn things around so fast. It will scare the crap out of you. You will be like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not ready for all this. I'm not ready for all of these good things. I'm not ready for this opportunity. You're going to be scared because things are going to get better so quickly, okay? And it might not all happen at once, but if you stay consistent and if you really devote yourself to this, you will radically transform your life and you will not believe how fast it happens, okay? Now, again, it's not about pursuing short-term gains. It's not about saying, well, I did it for three months. Nothing happened. I guess I'll give up, right? It's not about that, but you know what I'm saying. All right, I'm going to leave it there. I've been told I talk down to people and over-explain things too much, so I'm going to try to stop doing that. All right, both past and future are born in the imagination. Only the present, which is awareness, is real and eternal.
So have you guys heard of this before? Have you heard about, you know, the idea of meditation that there's nothing like, what, what was that, that line from Kung Fu Panda where he's like, you know, the, the future hasn't happened yet. The, the, the past is gone. Only the present is here. That's, or the only, the only right now is here. That's why it's the present or something like that. Um, it's kind of silly and cliche, but it's really, it's true. Because think about it. What happened to you yesterday is nothing more than a memory. Now, what is a memory? Is it real? Well, it's real in a sense, right? It is, is definitely real in a sense. That thing really did happen to you in a sense. But there is a, like, especially if you go back further, if you look back, something that happened 10 years ago. I look back at maybe my first breakup. I look back at um, the conflict that I had with, you know, boys my age when I was a young kid that kind of influenced the way that I see friends, right? Like the stuff that gets embedded in your unconscious that you kind of stop thinking about. It's like these memories of people that have hurt me and people have done things to me, right? Did it happen? Yes. In a sense, is it real? Yes. But your memory is not real in and of itself, when you go to your memory, like, where is that? Like, where, where are you looking when you remember something? It's not real. It's a projection. Like, your attention shifts from your vis visual field into something, and you think you see a memory. You think you experience a memory, but like, it's not there, you know? And it changes. It's been very well documented and proven that our memory is distorted every single time we access it. So if you have a memory that's a couple years old, you actually do not remember what really happened. It's just not the same. And you don't know it. That's what's crazy. There was a great book that talked all about how like um, police get false confessions from people. And it went into the science of it. It's really cool. But the, the takeaway from it is that memory is very subjective. Okay. The future. We spend so much time thinking about the future. We spend time, you know, spinning our wheels thinking about all these things that could happen. None of those things are real. But our body reacts to them as if they are real. So maybe we're sitting, spending time thinking about everything that could go wrong. Have you ever done that? Have you ever wasted time laying in bed or driving to work or just at somewhere and you're thinking about all the possibilities that could hurt you? Have you ever done that? I'm, I'm willing to bet that you have. Have you ever, let's turn it around a little bit. Let's get the other side of the coin. Have you ever distracted yourself with fantasy and say you thought around your issues <laughs> You, you sat around thinking, excuse me, of all the ideal things that you would like to have happen. And as you're sitting there fantasizing about these things that are not real, you drain your energy because your attention is focused on phantoms, things that are not real, it's still taking energy. There's no intention behind it. You're not creating anything. You're not figuring anything out. You're not solving problems but you're thinking about all the stuff that would be great. And what happens when you do that? You're wasting your energy that it dissipates. It just goes off into nothingness, right? And so there was that great story. What was it? Um, the After School Channel, they did this great little um, skit about this, this boy that was like in this village. And you should go watch it. If you, if you haven't seen I can't remember what it's called, but you should go watch it. Um, and he basically is given like this, this ghost pops up and he gives them the ghost will show him anything that he wants and he starts to look at like fantasy basically um i think the first thing he went to is pornography <laughs> which is a pretty accurate um representation <laughs> of of men certainly 
Um, but people in general, like that's it's symbolic of other things. It's not just lust. But and he says, okay, well, like he can, he will show him any image that he wants. And so he watches this image of the you know these these girls and like all these these things that he like these fantasies that he wants to live out. These like fun things that he could do, adventures that he could have. And at first, it's just a little bit. But the next day, it's a little bit more. Then it's a little bit more. And before long, he's doing it all the time. And then once he's doing it all the time, it's like he's escalating it. You know, it's like, I need more of this. It needs to be more intense. It's not giving me the same satisfaction anymore. I need to, 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 to take it up a notch. And then, you know, at first, in the beginning of the story, he's like, he's got a lot of potential. People are, like, really happy about him. They, they look at him and they're like, oh, like, that guy's going somewhere. You know, like, the local girls kind of like him. Um, but he's like, as he's watching this, the, these images, as he's spending more and more time doing this, he's not working on himself anymore. He's not training. He wants to be a knight. He's not training anymore. He starts to get out of shape. He starts to look at the girls around him. He's like, oh, they're too plain. They're too boring. He starts to look at the people around him. He's like, oh, they're, they're not that intelligent. They're not that interesting. He starts to look at the events of his life. Say, like, this isn't exciting. It's not stimulating. It's better to be in this, you know, this theater, basically. I almost said the Matrix. Um, which is a very accurate representation of reality for sure. Um, but he spends more and more time in it. And at some point he's just addicted to it and that's all he does. And a monster comes and attacks. And uh, basically the end of it is he's not able to be the hero that he could have been if he had been training the whole time, if he had been working on himself. And so this monster t- like takes over the, the village and the, you know, the ghost that was showing him these images just kind of laughs. It's like, I sabotaged you for years. I was working on this. And it's a really powerful story because it's true. You look at like, what are these images? Well, it's in our it's in our pocket, it's on our phone. We sit there, we scroll through TikTok, we look at Instagram, we see other people's lives. Other people are doing so much better than us, and our attention goes to that. And there's no intention behind it. It's fantasy. It's not real, right? Like where we're looking at all these other people that are so much more beautiful than the ones that we could be with, right? There's all these adventures that we could be having, and they think, oh well, I'm inspiring myself. I'm 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 I'm, I'm upgrading my my mindset because i'm looking at all these like wealthy people i'm looking at all these people that are in great shape right but it's like the time you spend doing that you're not working on anything it's not real you're not putting energy into anything productive you're wasting your energy because it's still robbing your attention but there's no intention behind it even if there is you're not getting better you're not learning anything you get addicted to it because fantasy is always going to be more stimulating than reality okay until you really get into it. Like if you are going through your day-to-day life, can it be boring? Absolutely. When things get crazy though, because you've been putting yourself um, in positions that are going to take you to, to the next level, you've been upgrading your skills, upgrading your mindset, upgrading your body to where you can handle more and more stress and adversity. Suddenly things become very tangible, right? You jump in that ice bath and all of a sudden you're there, you're in pain, right? Like you feel it. It's more intense than anything that you're going to watch online. You go to the gym, you work out, you start to get the you know healthy um, dopamine response to, to things again. You stop eating as much processed food. You stop engaging in fantasy. You start looking at the things around you objectively. And because of that, you put your attention on reality and on getting better. And you start to improve instead of wasting all of your resources. And that was the real takeaway from it. It's like we have this in our pocket. Like social media takes up so much of our time, energy, and attention, and it drains us. But I think even worse is that it doesn't give you anything. You can spend six hours a day on your phone and not accomplish a thing, right? If you were to take anything, oh, I'm not doing anything. It doesn't take energy. Yes, it does. If you were to take that same energy that it takes to be engaged, it may not be six hours worth of energy. 
But if you were to take that and put it into something productive consistently, you were to take that time, put it consistently into something that, that is going to feed your soul, that is going to move you in the direction that you want to go. Imagine what you could do with your life. You can't because you have no idea how far you can go. And again, even that imagination is fantasy too. So it's kind of like a little, one of those little things, but hall of mirrors for you. All right, next up. I think my favorite quote in the book is in here. I don't know if it's in this chapter and I'll probably butcher. I'm going to share it right now though. The, the, the gist of it, excuse me. The gist of it is that since the past does not exist, and neither does the future. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I butchered it. I'm sorry. It was one of the things that people long for is security, right? But where does security come from? Security comes from the past. It comes from our memory. So if we know based off of past experience that we're safe in a certain spot, then we feel safe in that spot. If we know based off of our past, like, hey, I feel financially secure because historically I've need I, I've had this job for however long it's given me this much money for however long and i have like evidence built up that this is something i can rely on well that may be true in a sense but in another sense it's not true because that job could disappear tomorrow you could get hit by a bus tomorrow um that company could go bankrupt um you know any number of things could happen the economy could collapse who knows hopefully that won't happen but um time to start homesteading if anybody wants to get into homesteading let me know i'm interested that 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 speaks to me that resonates with me on a, on a deep level. Um, anywho, start a little tribe out there, find me a nice Catholic girl and get a little couple, like eight and nine kids going. Once the economy collapses, you know, they'll be a little bit older, able to work the farm. We'll have a bunch of grandkids all live together. Next thing you know, world's in chaos, but we've got food. Boom. We've got a firm foundation for a solid political structure in the in the area we can take over and we can be warlords um maybe i'm dreaming just a little bit maybe that's my fantasy i don't know i think it's a good idea though but basically the idea is that you have all this memory of stuff and things but it's just in your memory and since that memory is an illusion then your your need for security and safety is tied to an illusion and you become a prisoner of your past and i thought that was very profound when you chase security when you chase the feeling that you're just safe, which we need that feeling to some extent, but when it, when it gets too high up there in the hierarchy of your priorities, then it becomes something, you become a slave to your past. You become a slave to fantasy and illusion. It's much better to, like, you do want to seek security. Yes, you need a certain amount of security to, to be happy and productive and all that. However, if that's your priority, you're putting yourself in a bad spot, okay? It's much better to learn to focus on and, and to focus on being the best that you can and to derive your security from a confidence in your abilities because you are you have established a firm character as somebody who is resourceful, productive and, and all that good stuff. Um, so I don't know if that was off topic. It's definitely in the book. I can't remember if it um, except for the part about the, the homesteading tribe compound thing. Um, okay. Intent in the human species is not fixed or locked into a rigid network of energy and information. It has infinite flexibility. So this goes back to like neuroplasticity. And I know that that's not what he meant when he wrote this. I'm, I'm approaching things from a little bit more of a like, I guess, materialistic 
uh, interpretation. Um, but this this is first and foremost the show is it is about it's it's psychology very closely followed evenly mixed with philosophy and then spirituality kind of comes a little bit um, after that. So if I'm going to say a spiritual concept, I, I try to frame it in a way that a person that doesn't buy into that can still benefit from. Um, but that being said, the idea that there is um, intent and, and information in everything, we're, we're infinitely malleable. So it doesn't matter how stuck you feel. It doesn't matter like, hey, I've been this person for so long. This is just who I am. No, you can be somebody else. You absolutely can be somebody else. Um, you have to make that decision, though. That's very important that, that you understand that only you can make the decision. And if you're, you're with somebody in a relationship, in a business partnership, and whatever, in a friendship, and they're, like, and they're doing something that you don't like, and they're like, oh, this is just who I am. If that's a big deal for you, like you should probably reconsider that because you can't change that person, right? Like you can communicate to them, hey, this is a real need for me. They got to be the one to change. And if they're not, if they have a victim mindset, if they don't have a growth mindset, they're, they're, they got a fixed way of looking at the world and they don't want to change it. They're not interested in it. I mean, past behavior does dictate future behavior. It doesn't have to, right? Past patterns don't always equate to your future, but they tend to. And if somebody says, well, my past doesn't equal my future, 100% true. If you change what you do, you have to take different action. You have to take to, to think different thoughts. You have to move in a different direction, right? And let it, it, the, the law of inertia takes over. If you have for the last 20 years not been, you know, working on yourself, you're probably not going to change. However, however, if you want to, you can. You just have to take action. You have to do something. So if you're hearing this, you're like, I want to change, but I don't think I can because I'm stuck. It's not true. You can absolutely do it. I believe in you. I'm just, I want to also point the other side out that like, if you're dealing with people who say that they're going to change, but they don't, you know, make of that what you will, um, especially in relationships. Learn to harness the power of intention and you can create anything you desire. Um, that's kind of, I don't think we need to go over that again. I've kind of done that to death. Remember that your true nature is one of pure spirit. Carry the consciousness of your spirit with you wherever you go. Gently release your desires and the universe will handle the details for you. I believe that we kind of went into that the last episode talking about when you act with love, when you act with the, the right attitude, when you kind of, instead of being hyper fixated on, I have to have this, I have to have that, I have to be something, whatever. And you instead put your intention on, I'm going to move in the right direction. You put all of your attention to it. You don't have to stress anymore, right? If you're like, I need to be a millionaire. Well, that can be a stressful thing. And you start to like, you get in your own way when you do that. If you instead identify a path that will take you to being a millionaire and you start to move down that path and you start to, you know, again, if the future is not real in a sense, like what you're imagining is not real. So all the problems that you could have, all the, the pressure of doing that, it's taking energy away from you that you could be using to be more productive, that you could be using to focus on the task at hand, basically. I'm not a millionaire, so maybe that's not right. But I am much more successful than I was a couple of years ago, and a lot of that comes down to the way that I look at things. So let me make of it what you will. Ooh, nature is a symphony. I think I said that earlier. Um, that's Nature is a symphony, and that symphony is being silently orchestrated at the ultimate ground of creation. Very metaphysical. Okay, this is actually a good one. Intention is the real power behind desire, and this is going to be the last one. 
Intention is a real power behind desire. So there's like this debate back and forth. Is desire good? Is desire bad? I think that desire is a pretty neutral thing. I think that most of life is actually pretty neutral. Uh, most of the things that happen to us, they could be good, they could be bad. It really depends on how we see them. If you're in the ocean and you're trying to, you know, like if, well, if, no, not even that. If you're in the ocean and a wave crashes down on you, like that could be something that's obnoxious to you. It could be something that's, you know, makes it difficult to stay afloat. But if you're a surfer and that same wave can be very beneficial, like it's like, oh, that's a great wave, right? This is, this is why I'm out here. When you, when you, when you allow your desires to consume your attention, so if I really want a certain car, um, if I really want, you know, a certain wife, if I really want a certain job, if I really want to be seen a particular way, and I just put all, and I just sit around thinking about that, the desire in 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 and of itself, excuse me, does not do anything. Sitting around wanting it is not good for me. I should become a slave to it right? Because all my actions become influenced by it. However, if I introduce intention into it, I say, okay, I want to have this job. I want to be someone who is worthy of having this job. I want to work in this industry. I want to do this thing. And I say, okay, I'm going to put all of my attention on it. I'm going to put my intention to it. Then that the desire becomes the motivation, but then the intention is what makes it happen. Just wanting something is not going to fix it. That's why I'm so against like the manifestation thing these new age people that are like, oh, you just sit and manifest it. You just sit and think about it. Just meditate. It'll come to you. You don't have to work for anything. It just, it just happens. Like, <sighs> okay, Susan, go back to California. I don't know what to tell you. It's, if you stay in your head, it's not going to happen, right? Now, there is, a, there is an aspect to manifestation and the meditation side of it where if you don't have your head on straight, if you're focused on just doing things and you're not you're not, you have like psychological blockages, things that are keeping you from experiencing that, that, that is a real thing. So that's like the side of manifestation that is important. You do have to release those blockages. You do have to heal those limiting beliefs and start to believe that you're worthy of it and start to believe that you have it, right? You start to have to identify with being the kind of person that has it because that's going to shift the way you act. And when you start acting differently, you start to get different results. Somebody on TikTok made a good point. She said, I, I don't know who it was, but she, um, I like the video. It was, she said that everybody, you know, that, that submarine that went down by the Titanic, which it sounds suspicious to me. I'll just point that, I'll point that out. Like, it sounds like a bunch of millionaires were trying to fake their own death. If that's not the case and they really did die, it's truly a tragic thing. It really is very sad. Um, but I'm just saying it kind of sounds like, hey, let's go to Argentina and learn to speak you know, Spanish and German and, you know, disappear and whatever else. And I mean, go and talk to you, whatever. But I, I just, it seems fishy to me, pun intended. Anywho, she said, listen, all these people that are hating on the, the guys that were in that sub and saying like, it serves them right or whatever. They're, 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 they're railing on them because they were rich. And she said, if you're hateful against people like this to that extent, is it any surprising that you're not rich? Like, if you hate money that much, is it surprising that you don't have it? And that was, oh, that, that was a good point. I like that. Um, but, yeah, you have to introduce intention to something. If you just want it and you don't take action for it, I mean, what do you really even want it at that point? Like, if you're not willing to work for it, or is it just kind of like something that would be nice? But when you really desire something, don't let it consume you. 
but figure out what do I need to do in order to make it happen, it becomes a really strong motivation. So if I desire a certain car, that might not be the best motivation for me. But if I, I desire a job, that, that, that could be a big motivation for me. So I say, okay, I want to move in a certain direction. I want to be a certain person. Let's go ahead and start taking action towards it. I'm going to put my intention. How do I get there? What are the steps that I need to take? And then I bring as much of my attention and as much of my energy to that as I can. And things will start to work themselves out. Like my brain will start to, to make sense of it. Unconsciously, I'll start to come up with ideas. Okay. I'll start to notice things. I'll start to notice opportunities. Things start to fall into place for me. Now I still have to move forward. I still have to take the action. But when I combine the intention with the attention, it starts to kind of happen. If I want to be, you know, married to the perfect person, okay, that's great. If I just sit around wanting that and hoping for it, what is what is going to change? Maybe I'll bump into somebody at one day or at some point, and like, oh, well, hey, this is what it was meant to be. Or do I sit back and say, okay, what are the characteristics of the woman that I want to be with, and what would that type of person want in me? Okay, I can't do everything by myself. A lot of growth comes from the relationship, but what can I do by myself? I have this desire. I have the intention of finding this, this person. How do I go about doing it? What are the steps that I can take to put myself in that situation? What are the steps I can take to turn myself into the kind of person that she would want to be with? And I start to bring, you know, if it's a strong desire, like for that, like for me, that is a strong desire. For me, the desire to, to be, um, to have a certain amount of success in, in certain things is a very strong desire. Both of those things are very persistent. So I don't ever really run out of motivation. If I'm working on something that is moving me towards one of those two things, I never have a lack of energy. Because like before I did the show, I was sitting there thinking, like, eh, I don't want to really want to do it. But both of those things come up in my mind as like, hey, you know, you need to be somebody. You have to be someone. You have to have a certain influence on the world. Do you want to let those dreams go? No, I want to be an influential person. I want to help people. I want to have an impact. Okay, cool. Boom. Lots of energy right there. Got up and came and did it. I did procrastinate a little bit. I'm not going to lie. But it was only for like an hour. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It wasn't for that long. Anyway, I think I could probably keep going on about this, but I'm, I think I may have said the main points that I need to say. So I'm going to kind of cut it off here. Again, guys, if you are liking this, share it with your friends, subscribe, leave me a good review. Um, and I'll see you soon. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And I'm trying to I'm trying to put more content out there. We'll see how long I can do that for. Life has been super busy. But reach out to me online, on Instagram, on TikTok, whatever it is. Um, Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. But let me know what you think of the episode. Let me know if there's anything I can help you with. If you need some coaching, if you need to work with me, let me know. And I will see you soon. Good luck. <laughs>